And hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Conquest Chronicles Podcast. This is Matt here, along with Dina, and we got Utah coming up. Um, it's going to be, it's an early game. It's a Friday night game. Utah, come, who is ranked number 10 in the nation, come into the LA Coliseum to face USC, who is coming off of a overtime, a frustrating and heartbreaking overtime loss to BYU. Um, and, uh, you know, not the best that you want coming into this game. You don't want to lose. You don't want to lose to, um, you know, to a team like BYU coming into a marquee game, but it could be the wake up call that they, that they have. So let's go ahead, jump right into it. Dina, how, how are we doing tonight? Pretty good. What about you? Doing pretty good. Um. Heading into this game, interested to see how USC responds. I think that's the biggest thing is I'm interested to see how USC responds to uh, in this game against Utah. Because we do know a loss brings us closer to the end of the Clay Helton era, or it could be the end of the Clay Helton era, and a win changes the perception around. Um going into going into uh the game against Washington on the road and then right after that you have a bye week and then Notre Dame coming up so they have they have a few more ranked teams to play they have Utah Washington then they have um then they have Notre Dame then you have Arizona State and I believe Cal. They have Arizona State, Cal, and Arizona State, Cal, and Oregon who are ranked. So they got a few more ranked teams they got to play on the schedule because I believe Cal is ranked now. Yeah, they they need to win this game to to get a good footing in the Pac-12 South. Well, right now they're currently in. Um, Right now, they're currently a, a three. I think a three point underdog. I think it went down to three. I think they're it was three, three point, and a half when I oh, checked a couple, is, oh, it's, like an hour ago. It's three and a half now. Yeah. Okay, so they're a three and a half point underdog. It was four for most of the week. It yeah, was. Then ESPN and uh, the Massey prediction site has USC winning. So, um, it's kind of odd. Uh, ESPN, I can see. I, I don't know. Like, then again, here's here's something that I think what plays a factor in it is B. Utah has not really played anybody. Then again, they played BYU and USC lost to BYU and the the Utes, um, the Utes beat BYU, blew them out actually. Or beat them pretty significantly. They didn't really blow them out, but you add that. Also, add to the fact that it's at home. It's at the Coliseum, and Utah has not won at the. They have never won at the LA Coliseum, actually. Believe it or not. Wow. So, so a little history before we before I go back, uh, and we discuss before we go back and discuss the BYU game. Here's something, here's some, some news or some history here that a lot of people don't understand. Utah 
in the history of the Utah USC meeting, Utah has not has never won at the LA Memorial Coliseum. They haven't. The last time I think they beat USC in Los Angeles was 1916. That was the last time they beat USC in Los Angeles. Wow. And the game was not played at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum because a lot of people forget the L.A. Memorial Coliseum was built in 1920. It was opened in 1923, correct? And and so the when the Utes and the Trojans played, the Trojans were playing at Fiesta Park in downtown Los Angeles. And when the Utes beat them, it was at Fiesta Park. It wasn't at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. It was at Fiesta Park in downtown Los Angeles, which I don't know what it is now. You can look at you. You can look that up on your own. But Utah has also faced UCLA because a lot of people forget UCLA also played at the L.A. Coliseum before moving to the Rose Bowl. They have never won at the at the L.A. Coliseum. They have never beaten USC nor UCLA at the at the Coliseum. And I think somebody said it went as far back as L- I don't think Utah has ever won. I don't think Utah has won in Los Angeles since 1916. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I have to look at I have to look that up, but I don't think Utah won in Los Angeles I don't think they've won in L.A. since. But I know they haven't beaten uh, the the USC in Los Angeles since 1916. And that game was played at Fiesta Park. So there is a historical standpoint. uh, There's a historical standpoint there. So, but going back, uh, as everyone knows, USC lost to BYU in overtime. Um, I could really go into it I could really go into how all of this um, plays out by the way uh, Utah did win and they won in LA count they won they beat UCLA in Pasadena but in Los Angeles city limits <laughs> they have not beaten they have not lost to uh, they haven't lost Utah haven't won in Los Angeles city limits in years. Let's put it like that. Um, anyway, moving forward, uh, that was that was by Winspedia. I just forgot uh, in 2016 maybe. But everyone knows USC lost in overtime. Um, what bugs me is the reaction, and here's why it bugs me. It, it, it bugs me on all aspects of it. As you know, any USC loss, people think the, the world is coming to an end. The world's coming to an end. Everything's falling apart. You know, fire everybody, right? <laughs> Even during the Pete Carroll era, when USC lost, when USC lost, it was a shocking thing. It was a shocking thing. It was a very shocking thing during the Pete Carroll era. USC loses, you're like, what the heck? Like, it, it's typical now. Um, 
the first thing I'm a, I have an issue with is just people just saying, it's people and when they analyze it and people go, why did they run the ball or, you know, why, why this, why that, where was the play calling? Graham Harrell and play calling and Graham Harrell's play calling was not the best. Utah dropped eight in the coverage, played soft coverage. You saw no bubble screens, and that was that. I I don't jump on Graham Harrell like that, but I didn't like how the offense was. I didn't like it. I didn't like the adjustments, and it was just typical. It was typical. Typical USC laws, typical offense, anemic offense. Typical failing to adjust. I had an issue with Clancy Pendergast. I, I, I'm kind of over Clancy Pendergast. That's my <laughs> issue. Because Clancy Pendergast didn't dial up any blitzes. You were without Christian Rector, your best pass rusher. Why is it whenever USC is without a pass rusher, they don't blitz to create pressure. They let Wilson get all the time in the world back there to, to stand in a pocket. And when they got pressure, they couldn't tackle him. Hence, George Reyna did the same thing against Fresno State. Dina and I were there. It was the same thing. I don't, I don't understand why there's no emphasis in tackling at practice. I don't get why there's no we. I, I'm tired of hearing that this is a different team and nothing's done, you know. And we get the same team. I'm tired of the fans who sit there going, "Oh, that's it, fire him, do this, do that." Like, if you think you can do a better job, please go and step up. But not only that, I understand the criticism, but at the same time, I think people are taking it over the edge. And I think that's where we have to calm down because we sit there and we go, well, they're not supposed to lose the BYU. No, you're right. They're not supposed to lose the BYU. But let's not act like BYU is not a dangerous team at home. Let's not act like Clay Helton and playing at. You know, playing on the road under Clay Helton is not a struggle. It, it hasn't been a struggle. Now, another issue I have is with the players. And hear me out here. Every year, when people talk about the coaches, players jump to social media and go, Oh, that's our coach. That's our coach. We ride for our coach. You know, we, if, if, if you want to blame anybody, blame us. Well, yeah. Okay. You're playing for your coach, but at the same time, you're not prepared. You're getting shoved around. You're getting bullied around against a three man front. You're giving up passes like crazy. You're not tackling. I understand it's coaching. I, I understand. As players, you guys have to make the plays and everything. But if you're playing for your coach, then you would do absolutely everything to make sure your coach get fired and play like you're like you guys want it. Now, as unfair as that may be, 
I'm tired of seeing that. I'm tired of hearing that. It's. It, I feel like it's talk every single time. It's all talk. Stanford is where we saw some substance to it. The beginning of Fresno State is where we saw some substance to it. We need to see it consistently. When your coach is under fire, granted, you're defending him, but we want some results, too. Like, fans want results. So I'm just tired of all of it. I'm tired of all of it. I hope, I, I really want hope USC wins. I'm not like every person else. I Where USC is like, oh, well, a loss brings us to the, to the end of Clay Helton. If anything, you want this program to succeed moving forward. And that's what USC needs right now. But they lost to BYU. Uh, it was lack of adjustments, lack of tackling. It was a lack of a lot of things and it need, that needed to be fixed. And I hope that they addressed it uh, this week in practice. Um, that's all I'll say on the BYU game. Uh, and other than that, Zach Wilson is one heck of a quarterback. He is one heck of a quarterback. I don't know if you've seen Dina, but he is one heck of a quarterback. No, I didn't watch the BYU game. I was driving to Arizona. <laughs> Be glad, but Wilson is pretty darn good. Wilson gives you a lot of Johnny Menzel vibes as a on the field as a player, not like. The other stuff, but how the way he Yeah, play. I just wonder if how good he would be if we got pressure on him, though. That would be that's the that's the number one thing. When they put pressure on him, he wasn't able to make certain throws. But it's like that with any quarterback. You put pressure on him, but with Clancy Pendergast's defense, there wasn't a blitz. They sent three or four. And that was it. They didn't blitz at all. And Pendergast is known to be aggressive in the blitz, and they have not done that. We haven't been aggressive in the blitz for years. No, because last year they were kind of were a blitz, were aggressive. They just couldn't. Porter Dustin was rush. aggressive. Yeah, Dustin Gust- was aggressive because like, after he got hurt, no one like Rector disappeared. But Rector didn't do anything. But Rector is like the player who. If you, like, when you key on one guy as a pass rusher, when you key on one pass rusher, it either opens up for everyone else or, or pretty much it opens for everyone else. Christian Rector, when he had, when Nuusu was there and when Rector was eating after Gustin went down, Rector had, uh, teams had to account for Nuusu. And then here come Rector. Now you have to figure out how to block both of them. Right. Same goes for, you know, the same goes for 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 Drake for Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson, he's a physical and an athletic beast, but he also has Kristen Rector. After that, there's nobody else that really steps up. Hunter Echols, we I hope Hunter Echols will be that person. But this is but they're they're likely they're getting rec, they're getting Rector back. They're likely getting Rector back. 
So that helps. That helps with pass rush. But regardless, they need to create pressure on Tyler Huntley this this uh, this Friday. They need to create pressure on him. Yeah, they need Tyler Huntley through um, through the first couple of games of the season. He only has four four touchdowns, no interceptions, um, and a pretty high completion percentage. Um, oh, but look where who's he can playing. look right. who they're playing. <laughs> I'm he, sorry. Didn't, he didn't have any touchdowns against. Uh, Against, or passing touchdowns against BYU. Um, you know, I think, where, you know, where he kills you, and this has been the case for the past couple of games, the quarterbacks that USC's faced is with his legs. So if they can't figure out a way to contain a mobile quarterback, then this is going to be a long game. Right, and here's the thing, what a lot of people don't, what a lot of people don't get is that Utah's defense is already going to be something. It's already going to be difficult. That's a task right there. With a freshman quarterback going against the the top defense in the conference, that's already a task. That is already a, a task itself. If you cannot contain a mobile quarterback, then there's a lot of issues. Because if you think about it, too, they got to face the Arizona coming up soon. So what are you going to do against Khalil Tate? You got to play against Dorian Thompson uh, Robinson. He's a mobile quarterback. Jaden Daniels, mobile. J- Jaden Daniels, mobile. So here you face multiple mobile quarterbacks. If you can't contain it, then that's an issue. If you can't get pressure on quarterbacks, that's an issue. The one time I've seen them generate any type of pressure on a quarterback was against Stanford. A- am I wrong on this, Dina? No, that's the, what, is that the one of the, do we get any sacks against BYU? Two. No, three. I think there's three. Well, it was either two or three. But USC's defensive line is good enough. And USC's right. defensive USC's line defensive is good line enough to create is pressure. Their, one of their strongest, if not their strongest, um, you know, groups. But I just don't understand why... Why is it against BYU they had issue creating pressure like that? Like I, th- that's the one of the things that really I I couldn't understand. Yeah, USC had two sacks. BYU had three. Uh, it, it, I mean, right now. USC, I think, has seven sacks on the season, or I, I forgot how many sacks they have so far this season. I think it's seven or nine, and Utah is right up there in sacks. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what Graham Harrell's made of because, you know, like you said, Utah has the best defense in the conference. Um, you know, I think what makes a great offensive coordinator isn't just sticking to what they say they are on paper, like we're an air raid offense, but okay, but 
if it's not there, don't throw it. You got to take what it, what the defense gives you. There's no, I don't think there's any reason if we're on, you know, for a couple yards out from the goal line, we should be throwing it. When you have Malapai Carr and, um, Step in your, you know, in your back pocket. There's no, here's, there's here's no reason the thing. for it. Why aren't you using Step more against physical teams? And he is a big physical back himself who can break tackles like that. Yeah, I think Step, you know, made the case these past couple games for him to get into the rotation, but, you know, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Um, I mean, you know, this is, this is gonna tell us a lot about Graham Harrell, this game. It is. It, It really is, because we've been hearing about how this is supposed to be for playmakers, this is an offense that best utilizes the playmakers and stuff like that. But all I'm saying with this is let's see some bubble screens. <laughs> let's see some screens. Let's see something, you know, if they're going to play off, then let's see something. If you, you know, other than that, other than that, don't. You can't put it in the point where he is forcing his throw. And Slovis got to do better, too. Yes, he's a freshman, but I'm going to hold him accountable. I'm going to hold him accountable because there's no way you should be skipping your reads. We've been hearing about how this kid is consistent and mature beyond his age, but yet he is not making consistent reads. He is not making the consistent read. He's skipping reads. He's throwing in the double and and triple coverage and quadruple coverage and throwing with five people hovered around one receiver. The the interception to Drake London, why it, it you have Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vines, and Michael Pittman. But you're gonna throw to Drake London, who has three people draped all over him. That that's a problem. That's a problem. It, that is a that is a problem. And I mean, we're hearing. I mean, Clay Helton is saying he'll be shocked if he if if, if um, Slovis has a bad game this week because he had a great week. Okay. Well, we'll see. I won't be shocked if he doesn't have a good game. Against against the top defense in the in the conference, it's, this isn't this isn't this isn't Matt Barkley. This isn't uh, uh, Sam Darnold. This isn't Matt Liner. This is Keaton Slovis. He's a freshman still, but we're gonna see what we get out of this out of him. If he has a good game and they lose, then A, that's something else. But we we got to see something different though. We got to see something different from this team. Um what are what are some keys to the game for you, Dina? What are what are some keys to this upcoming game? I think the biggest thing is just taking what the defense gives you. Um, you know, like we've both said, if it's not there, don't throw it up. Just, you know, run the ball. 
just because you say you're an air raid, you know. And I know people were excited all, all preseason about the air raid, but, um, you know, if it's not working, then you gotta adjust. You gotta, you gotta run the ball. You can't, you know, if that's what's gonna work. Well, and you gotta give it to people who are gonna, um, you know, get the first down. Like I think, I think I saw that Carr had a rough game against BYU. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, from a rushing standpoint, he only got nine carries. And then, you know, when they put Step in, he was getting yardage, right? He was. He was. I think he had 33 yards on three carries. I don't think there's anything wrong with then. If he's, if Carr's having a bad game, then don't give him the carry. Give it to someone who's having a good game. That's just, that's just common sense. I don't care about depth chart. If it's going to get you the win, give it to someone who's going to get the yardage. I think Otherwise, that's the, it's fucking stupid. Sorry. I think, no, you're good. I think that's the issue with USC is that, uh, is that they try to keep people happy. And they try to, they try to think, how do I they, think this? They try to, I think they think, oh, well, if, he'll get it eventually. He'll get it eventually. And it's not car. I'm not just talking about car. It's, this has been going on for seasons and seasons. Like they keep doing the same thing thinking, oh, it'll work. It'll work. A spark will hit. And then it doesn't. So you got to switch it up somehow. You, you, they have to. They have to. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. They have to. And if they, you know, and, and I think that's the thing is just, they don't, I just, I, I don't get it with USC and, and, and how the way they're coached. Cause it was a lot like 2018. It was a lot like last season. And we keep hearing how this is going to be different. And then Clay Helton goes, well, this team is built for this. This team is built for this. Built for what? This is half of the reason why Helton could potentially be out the door because at the end of the day, if they can't get it together, and let's say BYU, let's say, let's say Utah blows them out. If they don't get it together, ultimately it falls back on Helton. Because as the head coach, you're not doing something right. And you've had multiple times to get it together. We thought the Rose Bowl season, 2016 and 2017, would be turning a corner. Yeah, we could sit there and say, well, the players need to do that. Yes, the players do need to do it. But as Dion Bailey said it on Twitter, you have to come ready to play. Dion Bailey on Twitter said a lot of the players didn't like uh, Kiffin, and they went 11-2. and two. At the end of the day, you just got to make adjust- adjustments. I agree. I agree. I think that's the biggest thing is they have to take whatever Utah is giving them. They have to take. Um, they have to play a clean game. And special teams need to be special. I don't yeah, know I don't what's understand. up with special teams. I don't. I don't understand what's up with this punter. I don't know either. Like, apparently he was booming kicks, and I'm not saying that I don't believe that he wasn't booming kicks. I'm sure he was, but what is going on? Like. Are they just saying, no, don't try to kick the ball out the end zone? I don't like, understand that. Why not? 
if that's the case, if that's what's being coached, then Baxter needs to go, like, right now. You know, I think he, Baxter needs to go a year or two ago, but... Baxter should have been gone after this after last season. I, I, it's what I don't get. It's if you're going to clean up the staff, clean up the staff. But I don't know what it is that uh, that isn't being done or what they're looking at. I, I, I really, honestly, don't know. So. I mean, I guess we'll see how it all plays out for 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 USC. We'll see how it all plays out, but I think that's one of them. I think playing a clean football game, they have to win in the trenches. Um, the game is going to be win and lost on the trenches against uh, this Utah team. That's going to be the ultimate thing. They're going to have to really win the game in the in the trenches. If they can't win the game in the trenches. They can't win the game in the trenches on an offensive end and a defensive line. Then they have no business. Um, they have no business really being in that game because really Utah is a physical team. They have a physical front seven. Right. They have a very physical front seven, and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to bring it against Utah. You're going to have to put your big boy pants on. And they've been talking about the strength and conditioning, but yet they were getting manhandled by BYU's three-man front. They had issues blocking BYU's three-man front. That is what I don't understand. So, again, I hope... I I really hope how, how can I put it? I just really hope that BYU um I really hope BYU the BYU game was a wake up call, but Utah is no joke. They're looking to come in to make a statement too. The right. thing with Utah is that Utah Utah wants to be known as a college football playoff contender. They want to get to the Rose Bowl. They want to win the conference and play in the Rose Bowl or play for a college football playoff championship, play for a national championship. A win, although with USC is different, a win could solidify that. A win could a win could put them. It, it could start that serious discussion. Although they got to play Washington and Stan, I believe Stanford still. They still got to play certain teams, but it's there. It like the discussion will start up. They they want to. They're tired of the narrative of we can't win in Los Angeles. We can't beat we, uh, USC in Los Angeles. The home team has won. The home team has won the last few years. They're tired of that. They're tired of it, and they want to prove a point. And they're going to prove a point on national TV against USC, against what people say the 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 pride, the blue blood of the conference. And I don't, you know, 
regardless of what people say, it USC is the pride of the Pac-12 conference because when USC is is successful, when USC is successful, the Pac-12, there's all eyes on the Pac-12. I'm sorry. Right. And so they beat USC, especially like the way they did in Salt Lake City last year where they manhandled USC. If they beat USC in a primetime nationally televised game where all eyes are on you, oh, that'll really get some discussion here for Utah. That'll really get people talking about Utah like that. But that's the thing. They see a wounded USC team. They see a USC team that lost to BYU, and they're like, oh, it's time to go to work. So Utah is going to come with it, and they're going to look to come into L.A. and 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 show it against the USC on national TV. But that's how I see it. Um, who I, I I do think with Utah's defense, and let's talk about U, USC. USC's uh, offense against Utah's defense, and that's one thing is, uh, and it's the key that I brought up was that they're gonna have to keep Keaton Slovis clean. Either that, or they're gonna have to get the ball out of his hands quickly. They're gonna really have to get the ball out of Keaton Slovis's hands quickly, because Bradley and Nay, and, and, and Bradley and Nay, who is one of the leaders in sacks. For this USC team or for this Utah defense, they he's gonna he's gonna look to um to make an impact. Yeah, and Slovis is gonna have to show some of the mobility he showed against Stanford. I think he moved really well. He did. He 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 does. He does move well. That's the crazy thing about it. He does move well. Uh, he does move well. With um, how can I put it? He he does move well with mobility to buy some time to get the ball out, but he's gonna need more of that, and that that offensive line is gonna have to try to keep him cleaner and make sure he don't run for his life because you have Leaky for two, Bradley and A, you have John Pasini uh, who is a transfer, and you have Mika Tafu. Uh, Tafu. That's nothing to, to mess around with, really. Those, that's nothing to mess around with. You got four seniors on that defensive line. Linebackers, kind of suspect. The defensive end, other than Jalon Johnson and Julian Blackman, the, the secondary, you can kind of do something against. But you have to keep that that defensive line off of you. They have to keep... They have to keep that defensive line away from them because it's going to be a long night if they can't block for Slovis. And it's going to be a long night if they can't get that run game going, too. That run game has to get going as well. And they only generated against BYU's three-man front. They kept running to the outside and only generated 3.8 yards per carry. Against a three-man front. I know Kyrus Tonga, uh, 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 Tonga is, is a monster, but my goodness, this is a, that's unacceptable. 
Like this that's that's something that really that's unacceptable. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But we just have to see how all the how all of this will will play out. So, what are your predictions for this game? Like, you have any bold predictions? Um, bold predictions. I think. Steph is going to have a really, really good game. I think they're going to get him into the rotation. I think USC scores a defensive touchdown. <laughs> That's as bold as it gets. <laughs> I think USC. I think USC scores a defensive touchdown, and um, I think. I don't know how else to put. I don't know what else. I don't know how else to put it. USC scores a defensive touchdown. That's the only bold prediction I'm going with there. What about score prediction? Uh, score prediction. I I don't think USC wins this game. I wouldn't be. I would not be shocked if USC wins this game because I I'm getting vibes that USC is going to win this game. I'm getting strange vibes that USC is going to win this game. With all that said, I don't think USC is winning this game. I think um, it, the defense is going to be too much for the offense for Graham Harrell's offense. I do think they move the ball, but I don't think I, I haven't. I think with the BYU game. There just haven't been enough for me to be confident going into this game. Um, I think Utah wins 31-17. to 17. I think it's going to be close all game, and I think it's going to be low scoring. Um I'm going to say it's going to be 21-17 USC and USC seals the deal on a on a last minute interception. That would be lovely. That would that would honestly be lovely. That would be ironic considering how <laughs> much considering how much flat Pendergast has been getting. I, um, I, I, again, I just, I don't see it. I just, I don't, I don't know what to expect with USC right now. But I do think, I, I, and I, the reason why I say 31 to 17 
is because you BYU BYU Utah is not known to really put up points like that. They they're not going to put up points like that. They're not. They're not going to really put points up like that. They played against Idaho State and only put up 30 on Idaho State. Chris, Chris, Tyler Huntley has shown the ability that, A, I can throw and I can do damage against USC. They've done it last year. Zach Moss is just Zach Moss. But I do think USC against USC when it comes to the, to the inside run, I think they'll slow down uh, uh, Zach Moss. I think they will as because they've done a good job stopping the interior run. They just can't contain the outside run, which is right. which is weird in my opinion, which is very weird in my opinion. But it has almost been what in twenty in twenty twenty one it'll be. It'll be 10 years since the Pac-12 started, since the Pac-12 since the Pac-12 or the Pac-10 expanded to 12 teams. So Utah and USC has been playing since 2011. Their first their first game as conference opponents was in 2011, and they've had some some pretty memorable games moving for, uh, in the in the past. So mm-hmm. what are some of your favorite moments? What are some of your favorite USC Utah moments? Um let's see. Twenty fifteen when they were ranked third and came into the Coliseum and Cam Smith had his breakout game with three interceptions. Um even though we lost twenty sixteen when Sam Darnold came in and had his breakout game. Um The Sam Darnold game in 2016 was, that was a fun one. It was fun. It was fun because even though we we lost, it wasn't, it was one of the rare times when we lost that USC fans were positive. (laughs) Really? Because a lot of people wanted the man fired after punting the ball. (laughs) Yeah, I just I just remember them being positive about Oh uh, yeah about trajectory. The, the quarterback. Yeah, I that was yeah, I agree with that. Um let's see. Other than that, those are my top two. Uh Mine was 2011, the first game in 2011, because I've heard about Utah, you know, I've known about Utah, but I don't know how, I didn't know how their fan base was. And so this was, I I went to that game, and I've actually, this is when message boards were still a thing. I don't, they're still a thing, but. Um, talking with some Utah fans through social media and through message boards, a lot of them were like, well, how's L.A.? Like, what do we do in L.A.? And yada, yada. And I remember I put together an article, one of my first articles. I did it on a website that I don't even keep track of anymore. And it was just basically welcoming Utes fans to the Pac-12 and all this stuff. But 
I remember that game, just hearing how loud the Ute fans were. There were two sections of Ute fans. There was one in the back of the Coliseum, and there was one in the official area where the band was and everything. And I remember that game came down to a field goal to tie the game up. I don't know if you remember that. But they were about to kick the field goal, and Matt Khalil blocked the kick. And Torrin Harris returned it. Torrin Harris returned it all the way for a touchdown. And it was such an issue in Vegas because USC, I think, covered the spread. Or uh, they didn't count the touchdown. I think it was they didn't. They counted the touchdown, and a lot of people lost money on it. (laughs) I forgot what the spread was that game. It was something like that because nobody knew if the touchdown counted or not. So that was that. Um, I know when we did a Q and A with Block U, when we did a Q and A with Block U, um, he said that his favorite was when Matt Barkley got manhandled for on a fumble return, which remember, I think everybody remembered a sack where he had the ball literally stripped from him and he got flung five yards. Um. I, another favorite moment of mine was actually the 2017 game. The 20, the 2017 game was my favorite because of how close that game was and I was at that game too. But you remember how close that game was? USC was down 21 to 6 and it was like, what on earth is going on? And USC came back and then Utah scored late and USC stopped them on the uh, two point conversion. Mm hmm. So, and that game, that game was one of my favorites, too. I think that one was a very good one, too. Uh, 2015 was good. It was very good. I like 2015. Though, I think 2015 was what won Clemson. Would you say 2015, the 2015 Utah game or the UCLA game was what won Clancy his job? Or Clay, <laughs> his job. Clancy, I don't, yeah. But which game would you say won? I think it was the UCLA game that won him that job. Yeah, I think UCLA too. Utah was kind of early. Yeah, because it was after Notre after they lost to Notre Dame, and um, they won the Pac-12 just by beating UCLA. Utah was like beating Stanford when Coach O was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if that's the case, then you could have went with, well, why didn't Coach O get the job? And he had a big win against Stanford. But I think the UCLA game was what nailed it in. So that's how I view it. Um, other than that, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. Let's answer a couple of questions here. And then let's make some picks. Let us, because we, we, we're doing a new thing where we're making picks, people. <laughs> uh, we're making picks, so you gotta work with us here on that. We, we make picks for, we make picks on Pac-12 games, and 
I don't know. We have to see how good we did last week. I think we did pretty well last week, but I think Colorado, Colorado messed it up for me. Um, but here's a question we got, and I got via email from Ron Smith. And since he gave us a compliment, but he's been a longtime Trojan fan for 75 years, so shout out to you, Ron. 75 years, goodness. Yeah, that's impressive. That's fight a on, lot. Ron. Fight on. Yo, that's impressive. But he has a question. He says, Harold has been dotting on, on Slovis since he met him. He had it, he had also hinted that Sears had trouble focusing on the passing game and took off running too often. What do you feel about the QB depth chart that that put Slovis at number two? Hope to hear back. Um, this again, this was sent to me yesterday. I didn't reply, so I figured I saved this for the podcast. Dino, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and answer this first. What What are your thoughts on this? Uh, on that. I mean, nothing. Slovis hasn't showed me anything that would make me think he didn't deserve to be number two. I mean, you know, he's kept a solid completion percentage, and that's hard to do as a freshman against Fresno State, 75. Um, you know, there was only eight attempts, but Stanford, it was an 84.8% completion uh, or completion percentage. And then even though he had a rough game against BYU, he still completed 70.6%. So, you know, and... He, he, to me, I think he's been solid for a freshman. I think the BYU game was wasn't anything crazy, um, so I think, you know, I think there, the BYU game was was a freshman thing. You saw where the freshman mistakes were coming in, right? Um, but yeah, I haven't seen anything that would deter me from thinking that he shouldn't have been number two, you know, and, and someone said on Twitter, I think it was, um, I think it was Randa Troy who said, you know, Jack Sears and Matt Fink went through two offensive coordinators and they both put him. It was Alicia. I think it was Alicia that said it. It was Alicia. It was Alicia or Michael. I think Alicia said that actually. Right. So, you know, Sears especially, because people like to say that, you know, he should have been a starter, yada, yada, yada. You know, he went through T. Martin and he went through Graham Harrell. And they both, and I think, you know, they're they're different. They're two different coordinators running two different offenses. So for him to come in last place for both of them should tell people something. He had one good game against ASU. That's it. So. That's very true. That is, those are facts. Those are, those are just facts. Um, and thing, another thing is, you know, coming, the, the reports coming from practice was that he was the most inconsistent. And here's something that a lot of people don't realize, because a lot of people look at Sears and they look at his performance against ASU. They look at that one game against ASU. Okay, so if we're going to go down that route, if we're really going to go down this route, okay, 
let's say we're going down this route. A lot of people, a lot of people look at it like Mark Sanchez. Okay. Why wasn't Mark Sanchez starting over John David Booty? Why wasn't Mark Sanchez, Mark Sanchez, or why wasn't Mark Sanchez in the game when, when he injured his finger? You know, we go back to that. A lot of people may not remember that because Sanchez was actually very impressive that game. John David Booty won World's Bowls for a reason. I don't, I'm not fond of John David Booty uh, during his time at USC. Wasn't really 100% his fan, but he won games. Um, who's another quarter? That's like saying, that's like, let's say for instance, well, no, get, uh, there's so many examples. And I and they're all bad examples. I could say Mitch Mustaine for a reason, but no. I could say Aaron Corp for a reason, but he bombed that game against a bad Washington team that people don't remember. Look, he had a good game against ASU in one game, right? I think the offense that was given to him fit him. Right, that's another thing too. It, it it was a fit for him, but a lot of people forget he got that start because he was the only healthy quarterback. People don't remember that Sears was the only healthy was the only healthy scholarship quarterback going into the ASU game, so he had to play that game. Otherwise, if Matt Fink didn't break his ribs against ASU, or against ASU, against Utah, if Fink didn't break his ribs against Utah, he would have been starting that game. There's a reason why Sears has been last on the depth chart. There's a reason why he was fourth on the depth chart. Through two offensive coordinators. Isn't that telling? Not to put Sears down, but Slovis looked better out of the two. Out of the two, is that a problem? Is that a problem? I don't think so. So that's how I saw it. Um, I I I have no issue with Slovis being um being the backup at, or being number two, if you earn that spot, then you deserve it. Right. You earned it. You deserve it. That's the issue is that people are too quick to go. He, why is he there? Maybe because he earned it. Maybe because they, he did something in practice that we're not seeing. That's what I think a lot of people don't get. Is that it, it, it? It's just they're doing something in practice that wins them that spot. There was another question that I found. It was on. Um, it was on Clay Helton against. And, and USC against the spread. As I filter through the Reggie Bush, uh, the bring back Reggie Bush tweets, 
because for, for people who don't know, Reggie Bush will be in the Coliseum for the first time since he left USC for a college football game. For the first time for a college football game since he left USC. A lot of people forget he played in the NFL in the Coliseum with the Bills. But Reggie Bush will be returning, making his return. You think there's going to be pressure to bring for him to come back to USC? Or is the NCAA just going to stand? I think the NCAA is going to stand on this. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, the NCAA, though I wrote a pretty good article on why the NCAA, it's time for the NCAA to just let it go. And really, it's been blowing up like wildfire. So thank you for those who's blowing that up because um, every day I go on Conquest Chronicles or my Twitter account, and I just see that people are retweeting it left and right. So I appreciate that. You guys are real. Thank you. I've never had an article that got that much attention. 64 likes and 9 retweets. I thought I had more. Anyway. So, this one comes from Mark Rabb for for SC. And he says, Matt, you said Utah is currently a four-point favorite over USC, which is now a three and a half now. The Trojans are 2-11 against the spread as an underdog under head coach Clay Helton, which is true. USC is currently an underdog. Do you have the win-loss record as an underdog versus covering the spread? I believe USC, this was, and somebody put this out, Randall Troy put this out earlier in the uh, summer or like in August. I believe USC under Clay Helton over straight up is 1-12 as an underdog. With that wow. lone, with the lone win, with the lone win being against Washington, I think USC is one in twelve under Helton as an underdog. With Helton as a head coach, or it could be more because I, I have to look. But under Clay Helton, it's not the best. It's not the best. I have to look that up. Um, it's, it's honestly, it's not the best. It, it is seriously not the best at all. Here, I'll look at this right now. I think somebody wrote an article about this, actually, but it's like one in, I believe USC is one in 12. Yeah, here it is. Chris Fasala, uh, put this out September 17th. So he put this out on Tuesday under Clay Helton USC is 1 in 12 outright so yes I was correct USC is 1 in 12 outright and is 2 and 11 against the spread as a dog 11 of the 12 losses have come by double digits 8 of the 12 have come by at least 17 points average margin of defeat in SC's last 12 losses as a dog is 18.8 per game 
USC is currently a three and a half point home dog to Utah. So if you really want to know how concerning that is, USC as an underdog on the road is basically, oh, it's horrible. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Dina? I mean, I didn't know it was that low. It, it was, it, and somebody put out a tweet. I think Clay Helton is the worst uh, as an underdog. Is the one of the worst Power Five coaches or the, one of the worst college football coaches as an um, as an underdog. That's the craziest thing. So, anyway. Now, it's time to make some picks because that was depressing. <laughs> I mean, we sit, here's the thing. We try to be optimistic and, and we try to provide some optimistic things for everyone, but it's hard when, especially when you come off of a loss. And you're going into the next game, and it's like, ugh. You know? Anyway, Pac-12 play starts. Well, it starts for most teams. Uh, USC's already 1-0 in conference. We've picked the USC-Utah game. Uh, I picked Utah by two scores. Dina picked USC by a score. Correct, I believe. USC picked, yeah. picked USC by, by one score. Which would mean they would um which would mean they would beat the spread. So here's a game, nine AM game in Oxford, Mississippi. Ole Miss and Cal. Cal is three and oh. Mississippi O or Ole Miss or Mississippi is two and one. Miss uh Ole Miss is favored by two and a half. Game is on the road. Um, this game can be viewed on ESPN, well, on ESPNU, excuse me. So, who wins this game? Cal's coming off of a, of, off of a close win against North Texas at home. Um, I believe Ole Miss is coming off of a win over Southeast Louisiana. So, who do you have in this game? It's in, it's in Mississippi? Yes. Uh, I have Ole Miss. I have Cal. I got Cal winning. I think Cal beats Ole Miss. The Cal secondary is pretty good. I think they beat Ole Miss, but that time zone thing could be a thing to keep an eye on as well. At noon 30 on ABC or ESPN, a pa- another Pac-12 team comes to Provo in the Washington Huskies to face BYU, who just defeated USC in overtime, unfortunately. Um, Hawaii put a shellacking on on Hawaii, or Washington put a shellacking on Hawaii. So Hawaii is currently two and one in the Pac-12. While BYU, again, as mentioned, defeated USC. Um, 
Washington is a six and a half point favorite over BYU. Who do you have winning this game? I have Washington. I got Washington and it'll blow out. Though I think Zach Wilson makes some outstanding plays. Um, but I, I think Washington, Washington puts 40 on the, uh, Cougars. Too much. They're, they're gonna be on an emotional low against Washington. So, next game, 4 p.m. game, uh, a 4 p.m. game on ESPN. Stanford and Oregon. Game is played at the farm. Uh, Stanford lost their last two. They had 45 hung on them in both games. Lost, uh, and they, they lost to Central Florida 45 to 27. Meanwhile, Oregon beat Montana 35, 35 to 3 after they just beat Nevada 77 to 6. I guess. Um, Oregon is favored by ten and a half. Who do you have? Yeah, I have Oregon. I got Oregon in a blowout. I think Oregon puts forty five on on Stanford and Stanford <laughs> Stanford is probably the only team I know that has forty five hung on them in three straight games. But no, Stanford is not Stanford. Like Stanford has not been the same. Of course they had Davis Mills and they lost KJ Costello against uh against USC. Um, they got him back. However, you, Stanford looked slow against uh, against um, Central Florida. They looked really slow. So I think Oregon beats them. I think Oregon beats them pretty good, and you know, and Stanford falls to one and three for the first time, and I don't know how long. That's interesting. Uh, next game we have. It's Pac-12 after dark on Pac-12 Network as Colorado Buffaloes travel to Tempe to take on the number 24, um, ranked 24 Arizona State Sun Devils. ASU, again, I think is the only, is the second team ranked in the Pac-12 South. It was USC. Um, they just, they defeated Mississippi, or Mississippi. Hold on. Michigan they defeated State. Michigan State 10 to 7 in a low scoring game. Uh, one that the Pac-12 refs said they admitted that they made a mistake. Um, Air, Colorado just lost to Air Force in overtime. They lost to the ROTC in overtime. ASU is favored by eight and a half. Um, I'm, I don't know about you, Dina, but I'm going Colorado on this one. Yeah, this one's tough. Um, I, I think I think Colorado bounces back. There's not much from this. I don't, I still don't see much from the Sun Devils that makes me think that oh, you know, they could they could do something. I don't see much. So I, I I have to go with Colorado on this one. I think Colorado defeats uh, upsets ASU. Um. Don't think too hard on this, Tina. I don't know. This is this is probably the hardest one. But you can see, like either or, right? Like it could go. Yeah. The game could go either way. 
the the game could go either way. I'm gonna give ASC the edge just because it's at home. Yeah, the game could go either way. I just I don't know. I don't I I, I don't see it like. But you, I think if know, there's it's, if it's, there's any game, this is the game that goes. But yeah, this is a it is a coin toss either way. I but I. I'm going with Colorado on this one. I'm going to have to go with Colorado on this one. So our last Pac-12 game, last Pac-12 game of the of the night or of the week comes in Pullman, Washington, number 19, Washington State, and UCLA. UCLA has only scored 14 points in all in all three of their games. Yeah, I think uh, USC is, the air raid annihilates them. This, this game's gonna get ugly. <laughs> uh, I got Washington State. I have Washington State. UCLA really? Oh, that's crazy. UCLA has only scored fourteen points in three straight games. They have they have not gotten any higher than fourteen points. Wow. They lost. To Cincinnati, twenty-four to fourteen. They lost to to San Diego State, twenty-three to fourteen, and they lost to Oklahoma, forty-eight fourteen. Meanwhile, Washington State beat New Mexico State, fifty-eight to seven. They beat Northern Colorado, fifty-nine seventeen, and they won by a touchdown against Houston, which really hurt me and pick them. It did. It did. They were fine because I had them by 14, and then that happened. But on that note, I think it should do it. Yes, that will that will do it for us. Be sure to uh, to follow us on Twitter at C Chronicles SBN. You can follow also follow me on Twitter at Matt A Lowry. You can follow me at Always Compete. Also, be sure to uh, listen to us on Megaphone, Apple iTunes, um, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, um, and yeah. Again, let us know what you think of our of the podcast. But uh, until then, we'll have you know, let's pray on the game and fight on, everyone. Fight on. <laughs>